And I remember when I was when I was a kid I, that one year my camp counselor told all of us guys that um, he said when you go to bed tonight, make sure you zip up your sleeping bag because if you don't, a snake might crawl in your sleeping bag. You know, because snakes are cold blooded; they're looking for a warm place to to uh, you know to find a, a place to to sleep. You know, or whatever. And so. Uh, so, you know, of course, that I think is a ploy to keep us all in our beds at night or something. But, um, but you know, it's, it kind of stuck with me. Well, years later, I was in high school, and uh, I was at home in my, you know, my, my parents' home. And, and my, my room was, was down in the basement. And, and I woke up one, one morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I felt something long and slender going down my back. And I, and I remembered back to what my camp counselor said, and I was like, he must have been telling the truth, and there's a snake in my bed. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? And I, I thought if I, you know, you know I'm just going to lay here really still, you know, and, and maybe the snake won't bother me. But then I was like, you know, after a little bit, I kind of started getting a little drowsy, and I thought, man, if, if I fall asleep, you know, I'm going to roll over, and the snake's going to bite me. And, and I was like, I'm in a no-win situation here, you know. And so, so finally I thought, you know, my best shot, is just to just to I'm just going to jump out of bed. Hopefully the snake will go that way. I'll go this way, you know. And it, you know, worst case, if it bites me, I'll just run up and tell my parents, you know, we'll take care of this thing, right? So, so I'm, so I'm laying there and I'm going, all right, one, two, two and a half, you know. And finally, I mustered up the courage and I jumped out of bed, flung the covers back, and I was like, ah! And, and what happened was, when I fell asleep that night, I'd fall asleep on my arm behind me like this. You ever have like your foot or your hand goes to sleep and you just can't feel it, you know? Well, that's what happened to my whole arm, you know? And so it was more slender back then, all right? Give me a, a little break. And so, uh, and so, you know, my arm was, you know, tucked in and, and I had a little issue. So you're, you're thinking, man, I'm so glad we got here on time to hear this story, Jimmy. <laughs> there, here's the point, okay? It is this, that, that communication is to the family what blood is to the body. And in the same way that uh, that that you know the the circulation, the some of the some of the nerve uh, um, responses had kind of gotten cut off to my arm, and it and it created some some chaos, created a little uh, um, anxiety, you know, in in myself. It's the same thing with us when it comes to the issue of communication, how we talk to one another, the way that we we deal with with conflict, the way that we uh, deal with certain situations can can really um, can really uh, cause a lot of uh, frustration and issues, not just in a, our immediate uh, biological family, but but in our extended, our our faith family. I think Steve talked about the other night about how you know we go into churches and and there's you know people on this side of the church that won't talk to people on this side of the church, and there's a communication issue, and and it's creating a problem in the body, and so we want to look at this issue of communication tonight and see. What does God's Word have to say? God's Word is packed with um, some instruction regarding communication. So let's have a word of prayer, and we will jump into the session here tonight. Father, thank You for this time together. Thank You for um, uh, these folks who have given of their, their time to be here tonight. And, uh, and Lord, would You just uh, meet with us in, in these few minutes? Would you, um, would you point out things from Your Word? That uh, that would be a, um, a challenge to us. It might be an encouragement. That might be uh, helpful to to us one way or another. And God, would you make us more effective at, at communicating with one another, so that um, people will get a right picture of who you are when they see us. 
see how we do life together. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Proverbs 18 says this. says the tongue can bring death or life. There's a lot of power in this little member of our body. And it's, it's amazing if you think about that statement, okay? And, and, and we've probably all been in situations where someone has spoken words to us that, that, have, that have, uh, have, have hurt and gone deep and wounded. And maybe you've been on that side of it where you've spoken those words and you've seen the look on somebody's face after you've made a certain comment. And, 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 and uh, conversely, we've, we've probably experienced situations where someone has spoken something that was encouraging and life-giving to us. And, and so, you know, what, what do you want you to be known for? What do you want uh, to be characteristic of your life and, and the way that you talk? Um, James talks about the, the tongue. He, he, he compares it to a couple things, like a, a rudder on a ship, you know, and, and uh, he compares it to a, to a fire. And, and I love, you know, again, loving outdoors and stuff. I love to, to go backpacking. And, and, uh, and one of the things I love is when, you know, you, you, you've had a long day of, of packing and, and you get to your campsite and you start getting things set up and you get that fire going. There's just something special about that fire. It, it you know, it provides warmth, you know, on a, on a, on a night like this, it'd be handy. It, 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 uh, you can cook with a fire. It, there's a, it gives a sense of protection. You know, if you've ever been camping and, and you know, you, you've heard noises in the woods, you know, and you throw a couple more sticks on there to get that thing roaring just to make you feel a little safe. There's a, there's a great, um, a lot of great benefits from a fire that's within its boundaries. But you get one spark out into the wrong place. Look at, look at what's going on in the news out west right now. Okay. Just, just one spark that, that got into the, the right condition at the right time and is doing incredible uh, damage and costing lives and, and millions of dollars. And it's the same thing with how we communicate. So that's why this thing is so important. Um, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to um, look at a passage of scripture here. Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul, we were talking about this as our team with the team, our team yesterday. And, and Paul starts this chapter by saying, I, I, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We have all, every one of us in here has been called to follow Christ. And so, um, and Paul says, listen, let's, let, what does that look like? Let's, let's walk like that. Let's, let's look like, uh, look like Christ. And then he kind of gives some, some instruction on what it looks like to follow Jesus. Some of those character qualities that we see in Christ's life. And then in, uh, down in verse 25, he talks a little bit about this, this area of communication. And uh, we're going to look at this, this passage and pick some things out of here. Uh, uh, Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God 
as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality, all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. What I want to look at in this passage is, is some things that um, the Apostle Paul tells us, to some, some types of communication that we need to kind of eliminate from, from the way we, we uh, um, talk to one another, the way we, we communicate with one another. First thing he says is we need to eliminate lying words. All right? He says, put away falsehood. Speak truth to one another. And I would need to say a whole lot more about that. That's, that's kind of um, self-explanatory. The next thing he says, put away silent words. All right? What, 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 what does he mean by that? Um, <clears throat> be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I, I, think, I think one of the um, um, misconceptions we have as followers of Jesus is that sometimes it's better to, to, just, to just be quiet and stuff issues and, and not deal with them than it is to, to blow up and, and, and get angry about things. And I, you know, can, the one extreme is, is not any better. Right? You don't want to be someone who's always uh, you know, leaking out your uh, frustrations on people. But, but I think what, a lot of times what we do is we swing the pendulum too far to the other side and, and, and we just kind of just keep things to ourselves. And what happens, though, is that, is that those frustrations and angers uh, build up or sometimes they leak out onto people that, that aren't involved in, in the scenario. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, put that kind of communication away. You, you need, we need to go to one another. When, when we hear something that's like, you know what, I'm not so sure about that situation. Go to somebody and talk to them and clear some things up. Don't let the, the sun go down on, on your anger, on your uh, uh, misunderstandings. But, but let's talk to one another. So we need to put away silent words. We need to put away corrupt words. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Now, here's, here's something that, you know, as I think about this particular uh, verse, when, when I first got serious about following Jesus, God had to go to work on cleaning up my language. Okay, uh, you know, I, I didn't always speak... Um, um, properly. And I think we, you know, all of us in, in, you know, what, believers, but also just, you know, some people who, who aren't even followers of Christ, we, we know that there's just some language that's just not appropriate. Okay. Certain words that just shouldn't come out of our mouths. And I think sometimes when we think about this verse, we focus on that. But listen to what, what else Paul says about that. Let no corrupting word come out of your talk, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace. Back to that verse in Proverbs. Paul says the only thing that should come out of my mouth are life-giving words. And I, I, I want to tell you this. If, if the only thing that ever came out of my mouth was words that gave life, that gave grace, that built other people up, I would talk a whole lot less than what I do right now. And so we got to be careful about uh, letting corrupt words come out of our mouths. Uh, he says to eliminate hurtful words. He talks about bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, all of these things. And, and again, that doesn't need a lot of explanation. We understand we shouldn't say things to one another that are, that are cutting and hurtful. <laughs> and then he says, um, put away foolish words. In chapter 5, down in uh, verse 4, he says, let, let there be no um, filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. We um we kind of had a, a, a little example of this in our family a, a while back. 
our um, we we just had noticed. Lori and I had noticed that um, we just kind of had a, a kind of a, a thread of of sarcasm that was just kind of running through our family. Now, listen, I I like sarcasm. I don't think that sarcasm in and of itself is sin. If you've been around me very long at all, you you probably realize that. And and so I, I appreciate sarcasm, but but sometimes it can just kind of get out of hand. And and a lot of times children don't always have a, a filter for, you know, when it's appropriate, you know, don't be sarcastic to grandma, you know, that's, you know, not a, a good timing. And so we, we just kind of noticed it was just kind of this, this theme in our, our, um, our family. And so we said, let's, let's do this exercise for, for one month, just kind of as a, as a discipline, a spiritual discipline, we're going to, we're just going to eliminate all sarcasm. Okay. Just again, not that it's a sin, but, but just a good exercise for us. And so we said, anybody that hears anybody being sarcastic, you know, you can point that out. Kids, if you hear mom and dad, you know what? We're going we're to point that out and we're all just going to eliminate sarcasm. Do you, do you know who had the hardest time eliminating sarcasm? Lori. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> Lori and Jimmy, okay? All right. The, the, we, we had the, the kids, it took them a couple days and they were like, okay, you know, but it, something had become just kind of so ingrained in the way that we talk to one another that it, was, it became habitual. And and the problem with with again with, with foolish words is this. Well, there's there's two things. One is you never know what kind of day somebody's having. You ever had one of those situations where you see somebody and you're just like you know you make some you know cutting shot just trying to be funny and you just you just see their countenance you know either either they're discouraged or they get angry or something and you realize oh this was not good timing okay and so you got to be careful about that and and then the other thing is. That, um, that, that foolish talk like that tends to escalate. You know, you take a shot at me and I come back with one and you bring another one and, and eventually it gets to the point where it actually stings. Somebody says something that really cuts and really hurts. And so we just got to be careful and cautious with those kinds of things. So those are some, some, some ways of communicating we need to eliminate. How then should we talk to one another? What are some keys to good communication? This um this couple was having a communication issue, and I have an excerpt from each one of their respective diaries. Her diary says this. Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late. But he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested we go somewhere quiet so we could talk. He agreed, but didn't say much. I asked him what was wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset. He said he wasn't upset and it had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I I don't know why he didn't say I love you too. When we got home, I felt as if I'd lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV He continued to seem distant and absent. Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep and I cried. I don't know what to do. My life is a disaster. And his diary says this, motorcycle won't start, can't figure out why. We communicate a little differently, don't we? Okay, all right. So, so what are some things that we can uh, we can do to help ourselves communicate more effectively? 
All right, so some keys to good communication. Uh, the first one is this. Seek to understand, not to be understood. Seek to understand, not to be understood. I'm, I'll tell you this. If I were to apply this principle to most of my conversation, it, it would eliminate 90% uh, of the conflict that I, that I find myself in. Uh, Proverbs 18.2 says this. As fools have no interest in understanding they only want to air their own opinions. And man, I, I was so characteristic uh, of me. I really am, am so foolish so often because I just want, I just want people just, if you would just listen to me and understand my perspective, where I'm coming from, then, then everything would be okay. We would resolve all of this. And, and often the, the, the real issue is that the Holy Spirit's saying, Hey, Jimmy, why don't you just stop? Be patient and you listen. See what they're coming from. Try to understand maybe what's going on behind what they're saying and, and, and uh, um, try to uh, focus on understanding others as opposed to making sure your opinion is understood. All right. The next key to good communication is this. Realize that you may not know the whole story. Realize that you may not know the whole story. Proverbs eighteen seventeen says this. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. You ever uh, been been uh, a party in one of those situations where you you hear something about somebody and you're just like, man, I can't believe that. That really sounds crazy, uh, you know, whatever. And then later on, you're talking to somebody else that that either witnessed the situation or 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 the source of the of the problem, and you realize that you really didn't get the whole take. You know, that happens a lot, and 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 it can really again create a lot of conflict and issues. In our our families, our faith families, um, we um, uh, you know uh, have a house here back at the the camp, and you know for about twenty years I was on on camp staff and and uh, and served there. And and I this morning I heard I heard a word that uh, two words that that I love that that many of you probably hate, but but the words that just bring joy to my heart. And and those two words were lake effect. Okay. I love snow. I, I just, you know, I grew up in South Carolina where it was just, we, all we got was freezing rain. Okay. And so, you know, as a kid, I was always waiting for snow and now I'm just a big kid. And so when the snows, man, I, I, I just love it. And so anyway, I'm, we're gone most of the time when it's here anyway, so it, it doesn't matter. But, but I love snow. So we get a lot of snow around here and I think that's great. But, um, one day we were, um, uh, back when we were at, at the camp, we, Lori and I had gone to town and, uh, our two older boys were, uh, teenagers at the time, and and uh, they they had stayed home, and we were on our way back, and I uh, got a call from a friend of mine on the camp staff, and he said, uh, Jimmy, did you know that your oldest son Jonathan is uh, snowboarding off the roof of one of the buildings, and has some of the camp kids with him, you know, and some of you know my oldest son Jonathan, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, you know, and and uh, but but you know, I was like, so I was like, no, I, we didn't know that. I said, can you please tell him that. Um, Actually, I just looked back and saw Trevor. Trevor and Jonathan were best friends in high school, and you, that explains a lot, doesn't it? But uh, anyway, uh, so I said, can you just tell Jonathan we're going to be home in a minute? Please tell him to go to the house, and, and we'll deal with it when, he, when we get there. And so I hung the phone up, and, and Lori and I were like, he's a dead man. Okay, you know, I mean, he's, he's grounded for life, and we're, you know, we, just, we were just so frustrated about this. So, so we got home, and and um, and Lori said, you know, Jimmy, I'm so upset about this. I don't even think I need to be a part of this conversation. You better just deal with him. So I was like, okay. So I, uh, I you know, Jonathan came home. We went in our room, and I shut the door. 
And I said, Jonathan, what were you thinking? And he, and he stopped me. He said, Dad, that, that's just it. See, Jonathan at this time in his life, had, you know, Jonathan's the kind of person that would would do first and think later. Okay, you know anybody like that? And, and so Jonathan would do stuff and then he'd think about it. So we had this little saying that we were trying to get him to, to go. It was think, then do. Okay, Jonathan, think, then do. And so, so he stopped me. He said, Dad, you know how you say think, then do? He said that the, the building that we were snowboarding off of was, was the one where the, the maintenance guys were plowing the snow right up against that building. So there's really like a, just a four foot drop from the roof of the building to this big pile of snow. And he said, and then on the back side, there was like these pipes and things. So we were making sure everybody was staying on this side and we were being really careful and, and cautious about this. And, and, and I, I, you know, I just realized, okay, he's, he's been trying to apply, you know, what we've been talking about. And so I told him, I said, Jonathan, you know, if you're, if you're going to snowboard off of somebody else's building, you should probably ask permission first. And, you know, we talked about the example that that's set for the other kids and, and then, you know, and then, and then like any good dad, we talked about the proper technique for snowboarding off of a roof, you know. And so, um, come on, some of you were thinking it. Don't leave me out here. But, uh, you know, and so we came out of the room and, and we're laughing and everything. And, and Lori is like, why is someone not bleeding? You know, <laughs> but, but here's the deal. Lori and I heard part of a story. And here's what we did. We made an assumption and we passed judgment on that assumption. And isn't that true of so many of us in our relationships? We hear a little bit of a part of a story and we make an assumption. This assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. And then we pass judgment based on that instead of eliminating those silent words like the Apostle Paul instructs us in going to the person and saying, hey, I heard this, you know, and it doesn't seem right to me. Can you clear this up and let's, you know, make sure we got this, uh, you know, figured out. And, and so we've got to be careful, make sure that we realize we don't know the whole story. The third thing is a key to good communication is don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. Proverbs 18.13 says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And again, this is, this is so characteristic of my life so many times. I'll just hear just, just the first part of, of something. I come home and, and Lori will start to tell me something about her day or something that happened with one of the boys. And man, I've just, I've got the answer, you know, and I just start to give her the, 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 the answer to the solution to the problem. And she's like, you know, I, I already resolved it. I don't need your, you know, the, the advice. I just was wanting you to know how my day was going today, you know, or, or, you know, so many situations, people are, are telling me something and, and before they're done, in my mind, I'm already answering the question and I'm not really listening. And, and again, it's, Proverbs says we're foolish when we do that. And here's another way that this is really showing up in, in my life and many of our lives is one of these things. Somebody, somebody be right in the middle of a sentence and this thing will buzz or ding or whatever and I'll just stop and do like this. And what did I just say right there? I just told them what's going on right here is more important than what you're saying. And when I interrupt somebody, that's what I'm communicating to them. What you're saying is not as important as what I have to say. So could you be quiet for a moment? And, and y'all, that's, that's arrogant. And, and when I stopped and thought about that, man, it's just such a convicting thing to me. And I don't want that to be characteristic of, of who I am and how I talk to other people. So, so don't interrupt. The next thing is, is, is this. Pay attention to nonverbal communication. 
Pay attention to nonverbal communication. Depending on, on you know, what you read, anywhere from 60 to 90% of our communication is nonverbal. The, the look on our face, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, our body language, just the, the way in which we just kind of approach things or, or that kind of stuff. And so we communicate a lot without saying words. And we gotta, we gotta be careful about that. This is a, this couple was having an issue with nonverbal communication. Um, in case you can't see, there's barbed wire going down the middle and it says, apparently I've done something to upset you. So, um, I don't know. That's probably not effective communication. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we gotta be careful with, uh, just how we do. One thing I've learned, I remember when, when Lori and I were first married, I'd come home from, from work or something and I would, I would sit down and I'd wanna, you know, read the paper, you know, watch TV or something like that. And, and Lori'd be, you know, you know, cooking or something and, and she'd be telling me something about her day. And I'd be giving her the usual, you know, manly response of, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, you know, and, and, um, and after a while she would say, you're not listening to me. And I would say, yes, I am. And, and I could repeat everything she said, right? Word for word. I learned that in college. That was my, you know, was what college taught me. But uh, I could, and she was like, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. What I found was Lori wanted me to give her uh, my attention. She, she wanted me to, to look her in the face and let her know that, that I was valuing her and paying attention to what she had to say. And, and ladies, when they, when they talk and want to, want to have a, a, a meaningful conversation, they, they want to tend to do that face to face. So guys, we've, we've got to learn to, to put us, put aside the phone and the tablet and turn the TV off and, and look uh, our, our wives in the eyes and let them know we're paying attention. Now, one of the things I've learned about guys is when we want to have a meaningful conversation, we tend to want to do that shoulder to shoulder. That's why we like campfires and road trips and fishing and those kinds of things. Because we, you guys don't sit down at a table and look across each other and go, how are you doing? You know, I mean, that's, that just gets real awkward. And so ladies, if you want your husband to communicate with you, you know, it may be more effective to just go on a road trip. And, and Lori learned that with, with our boys when they were teenagers, that sometimes she'd just be driving to the grocery store and they'd just start unloading about their life. And she'd be thinking, where's this coming from? And it's because they have that shoulder to shoulder thing going on. And so just, um, understand that, that nonverbal communication is, is really important. The next key to good communication is this, to disagree without being disagreeable. Again, we mentioned this. We're different. We're going to have differences about things that, that are perspectives in life. If, if, if you don't have differences, then you're not thinking. So, so uh, we're going to have disagreements, but we can do it in an agreeable way. Proverbs 23 says this, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. And again, one of the things that's been characteristic of my communication in my life has been often that I just want to make sure that, that my point got across. And, and, you know, and I would go to battle over things that, that you know, again, stand up for what's true and what's right and what you believe in. We can do that in, a, in an honor, honorable and, um, and gracious way. Next thing is this. Pray for each other and with each other. Pray for each other and with each other. And especially when, um, when you're in having a, 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 some conflict or a difficult situation. There have been many times in, in the life of, of my marriage where, where Lori and I have been disagreeing with one another and had, had an issue going on. The Holy Spirit would tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, Jimmy, why don't you stop and pray? 
And, and often, sadly, I, I, I'm like, no, I got this, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm going to set this, you know, set this straight first, you know, but, but the times when I, when I do stop and we pray together, it's really difficult to be angry with one another when you're praying together. And, you know, I got talked about that issue last night where, where Lori and I were, were just not seeing things the same way with regard to that financial issue. Had we been praying together, it could have resolved uh, a, a lot of that. And then the last key to good communication is this. When you're wrong, admit it. And when you're right, keep quiet. Again, Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride comes contention. I remember, um, I, I, I actually, I actually don't have too difficult time with that, with that first part. If, if God, if God, God shows me that I'm wrong about something, I actually uh, am, am able to go back and, and say, hey, I was wrong about that. Will you, you know, will you forgive me? The part that I have trouble with is the second part. When, when I'm right, man, I, I want you to know. I want everybody else to know. And, uh, you know, and I make sure that this, you know, that, I, that everybody acknowledges that Jimmy was right. And I, I remember growing up, my sister and I would always get in these arguments. And every argument ended the same way. Um, she would look at me and she'd say, Jimmy, you, you always have to be right. And I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Of course, if I wasn't right, I wouldn't be arguing. Okay. I would say, yeah, you're right. So I did until I realized this principle years later that it wasn't about being correct. It was that I had to be right and I had to make sure that everybody knew that I was right. And, and, and the root of so much of our bad communication, everybody, for me at least, comes down to pride. When I lay aside my agendas and my desires and the things that I'm after, and humble myself, it changes the tenor of so many of my conversations. So here's our homework for tonight, okay? It's just this. Look at this list, keys to good communication, and mark the one that you know you need to work on. Okay, maybe one or two of those that as soon as I said them, you were like, Ooh, yep, that's me. Just put an arrow by that. And if there's a, a corresponding scripture that goes with it, then, uh, then uh, make effort to, to try to memorize that. And uh, let's start working at um, communicating more effectively with one another so that um, uh, through our words and, and uh, the way we communicate, we can breathe life to one another and, and not death. Let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll go on with the rest of the service. Father, thank You so much for this time together again tonight. Thank You, God, for, for Your Word and the Proverbs. I love how um, just practical... Uh, the, the proverbs are and and uh, how you you use them in, in just um, very just very simple uh, but profound ways to help uh, weed out some of these issues. God, would you help us to take seriously the the ways in which we communicate with one another? That that we would uh, we would all make the effort uh, to make sure that we're uh, communicating, connecting effectively, so that ultimately, God, we can make you look good. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.